Hi, and welcome to Redefining Outbound, a podcast series for sales leaders. I'm one of your hosts, David Bentham, Director of Sales Development at Cognizant. I'll be interviewing a range of forward-thinking sales leaders on how and why B2B buying behavior has changed, and we'll be unpacking why these trends are important for Outbound. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Redefining Outbound. Um, thank you for tuning in, as always. Today, we, I have the absolute pleasure of being joined by Mike, um, the co-founder and VP of Sales um, at Index. Mike, I don't want to, so I'm famous for butchering people's names. Um, so I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself, and, and, um, and why don't you say, state your full name? Because like I say, I always get people's names wrong. Um, so I don't want to butcher it, but why don't you yeah, introduce yourself, any, any context you want to give? Thank you so much, David. My name is Mike, Mike Sokirka. Uh, at Index.dev, we find great talent all over the world, and we place them for amazing customers. Uh, we focus on the European continent and on Americas, and we have developers in all the Latin American countries, all over Europe, and uh, the, the business is good. What, what I can tell you about me is the fact that I'm very passionate about uh, sales, and also I'm very passionate about sports. I find them being very connected. Awesome. What's more sports? What's, what's your sport? Uh, it used to be boxing. It used to be football. At this moment, it's running. I love to go to marathons on a speed pace, on a quick pace. Nice. Love that. Um, all right. So, Mike, the way that we start every single one of these um, sessions is by asking the very simple question, um, what does redefining outbound mean to you? So, uh, Mike, would love to get your take on that. It's uh, Thank you so much. It's an amazing question and it offers the possibility to understand where we stand and where the market stands. Um, in this moment, I think it's in finding on how to personalize the outbound so that there will be an added value for the customer, that there will be an added value for the person who will be receiving uh, the message. So it can be either information, either an introduction, either some additional sales or maybe some additional productivity gains. But in the end, it's measured in the uh, value that the prospect gets from us. I love that. Um, Mike, I don't know whether, and this isn't a self-boast, but um, I, I don't know whether you saw, but I've recently actually moved into a VP role myself. Um, and um, I'm asking, I've asked a couple of guests, and I'd love to get your take like uh, for some advice, really. Um, so you, in your role as VP um, of, of sales, so what are you... Um, you know, is there any particular advice on how you go about your, um, your work? Like, is there any kind of like major mistakes you've made or top tips that you have for, for us? Uh, I'd love to share. The main one is there will be a lot of tough calls that you will need to make. Uh, I've had a lot of them and lots of my mentors used to have. So if we are to pick the three of them is have mentors slash mentors, people that you will be able to listen to you, people that will be able to give you advice, not necessarily the one that you'll want to hear, but the one that you will will be useful to you. Uh, it's an by the way, congratulations on this, and I'm super excited about. I'm super excited, super excited about the challenge that you're going to have, and that you have already. I'm sure. Do not postpone. Uh, make mistakes. Be have lots of energy, and uh, uh, remember that in sales we have sharks, and uh, when sharks don't swim, they drown. And this is one of those things that I'm always telling to my colleagues from sales. 
love that. And and um, Mike, I suppose more specifically to the VP of Sales role. Um, you know, we, we t- obviously this podcast is all about redefining outbound and how sales is changing over time. I'm just really interested in what what you see your role as today or, or a VP of sales role today within an organization. Is it being a shark like you just mentioned or um, is there a different um, route that you, you, you take? I like to think that I'm the strategic player. I like to think that I'm the one who's highlighting the strategy and who's identifying in which direction we go and how we go. And I'm the one who is managing the sharks. When I'm talking about sharks, I'm talking about the teams that I manage. I'm talking about the teams that, uh, the, the sales team, I'm talking about the lead gen team, the marketing team. They are very hungry and they are very fierce. They are very passionate about what they do. And they are very excited about bringing more value to the customer. And this is one of those things that uh, is part of my strategic role. To make sure that the values of the team aligns in that direction and to make sure that uh, the whole company, the whole team is going into the direction of that is important both for us and for our software developers and for our customers. So just to answer brief- briefly, uh, I'm responsible for the direction, I'm responsible for the strategy, and I'm responsible to make sure that we have the right people to manage, implement, and uh, make these strategic calls happen. I love that. And and, and just um, tactically, you spoke about alignment there, and I think that's really important, like cross-collaborating um, across different departments, but also with your team themselves, like having that complete alignment a- across all. Um, tactically, is there anything that you're doing? Any advice that you give? Any, you know, is there a particular like meeting cadence or, or whatever that that is allow you feel is allowing you to do that so successfully? It's so many things that have. Uh... It's so many things that made 2021, 2022, and 2023 uh, fantastic, and it's very difficult to highlight some like to highlight one of them i'll be able to highlight three the the one that i really love is work on the objections when we do our outbound efforts uh, when it comes to tactical aspects we like to make segmentations and to understand uh to segment into small the the buyer persona to segment them into very small brackets and to understand what are their needs what kind of objections they do and how do they reply and what uh, we've been able to successfully implement is to have the people from lead gen linkedin to communicate with sales and to communicate with emailing outreach and all of them to come with their perception of why the prospect replies in this way and in this way. And uh, just to get some numbers, in 2022, we've been able to considerably increase our conversions from uh, uh, rejections that uh, we just converted them into objections and then we just converted them into maybe later. And now we've signed contracts with people who thought that they will never work with us. And it's fantastic of how putting people with great months together will just get us there. It's one of those things. The second one is customer journey. Uh, To have the customer journey outlined, to understand what was the motivation of the person who replied positively to our outreach campaign, how they became, uh, how they booked a meeting, why they booked a meeting, and then why they had this meeting, why they placed an opportunity, why they signed the contract, and why... Uh, three months within our contract, they've assigned more software developers. And then to understand what's the correlation and how we can add more value. And the third one is to have very sincere relationship with all the people that we have. 
And in, uh, in our company, we have people on multiple levels. We have managers of teams. We have teams. We have smaller teams, bigger teams. And they need to communicate and they need to collaborate within them. And the healthy environment in which people are happy to provide feedback, in which people feel safe to provide feedback, in which people feel safe to provide with... Um, uh, to provide suggestions on what we can do, what kind of projects they can take on so that they'll get to leadership roles. And by the way, last month, we, last month we've announced two uh, people who took, two people took on some directions. They've delivered. It was an experimental direction. They've delivered. They've uh, received uh, results. And now they are managing their own directions. And this is fantastic. So to promote the people, to have the healthy environment, and to have a uh, culture in which people can speak up. I absolutely love that. I'm, I'm massive on feedback myself and, and kind of like fostering that culture. So um, it's really, really good to hear some of the stuff that you're doing. Um, so again, going back to the topic of kind of like how sales is changing. Um, You've been working with Index for the past five years now. So I'm sure you've seen in that time a big shift um, in in how sales is, is is happening, like what the focuses might be. And I'd, so I'd love to get your overall take. Like what have you seen as the biggest differences today versus five years ago? Now the competition is just so fierce. And without understanding what's the value that we are bringing to the customer, we will not be able to differentiate ourselves. Now the market is so much more complex. And it's fascinating to understand that five years ago, what was a small victory for us, uh, what's a small victory for us now, five years ago, it was a major success. But this is, again, the and I love making the comparison of running a marathon. At that time, we were running at a, uh, a shorter pace, not that quick now, it's just quicker. How sales is changing? The client is becoming a lot more demanding and we love it. The competition is getting a lot more fierce and it puts us in the situation when we need to improve, constantly improve, uh, work on better data, work on more personalized content, get those calls, uh, schedule uh, follow-ups, see what we can do, how we can deliver more. And um, just to highlight one of those things that makes the sales process so much better now, it's that this motivates, this puts us in the situation in which it's a ride or, ride or die and we need to just deliver and we need to become better. And um, yeah, this I'm trying to reply as short as possible, but it's just very demanding. I bet, I bet. And, and um, we, we talk a lot about different channels here and uh, so what where were you seeing success in terms of channels for outreach um and, and and maybe also you know like i'm sure over the past five years you've you've ha you've got some fantastic stories of customer acquisitions maybe like uh, particular acquisitions that you're incredibly proud of um would you mind sharing any of those stories if there's one that springs to mind thank you so much um i want to highlight linkedin it's an amazing platform it will soon reach 1 billion users and we will be so happy uh when they reach it uh they will be celebrating by the way this a lot uh linkedin an amazing source of uh leads emailing an amazing source of leads uh cold calling used to be so good now it's just rewarding for those ones who are amazing at this it uh, you just need to be amazing if you are average just go to do linkedin and emailing um what works 
for us it's uh, um, referrals communities within those platforms so what a strategy that we do is we try to find people who will get value from our services by recommending us to some of their colleagues and i will give an example a ceo of a company with hundreds of employees doesn't really understand the pains of the hiring manager but the kpi that he has is the optimization it's uh, to make processes faster and what the ceo will do they will introduce us to their uh Uh, HR manager or to their HR director or to the hiring manager or to the CTO. So it's an introduction. It's already warmer. Um, What really works good for us is when we generate interest with one, within one um, source of the lead, but then we just put them in a different pipeline. For instance, people showed interest in LinkedIn and one year afterwards, two years afterwards, we've been communicating with them via emailing, via calling. We've been providing them with updates about how we are growing, etc. And can you imagine the company that told us three years ago that, uh, hey, it's not a good time now, but please get back to me six months from now. They've managed to sign a contract three years afterwards. And it's not just one software developer. I'm talking about they've started with a smaller team of three developers and then they've upgraded with five. Um, What I would like to highlight how we closed uh, a unicorn in Germany, an amazing customer um, that they've raised $470 million within the last 10 years. It's one of the biggest players on the market. And uh, all we needed to do is to learn about them, to contact them. And because of their need, they are growing so fast. They needed a team of 10 developers right away. And additionally to this, we added people in support and product managers. So we are super excited about having this relationship. We've assigned many developers with them and we are looking forward to growing that account. But also we are looking forward to learning from them because By closing that unicorn, we've been able to close multiple other unicorns and to sign deals. And this is fascinating. Awesome. And and ICP wise, like, you know, has your ICP um, shifted over time? You mentioned that you you managed to get a unicorn and then now kind of it's opened the door for lots of other unicorns. Have you... um, have you always been going after unicorns though or is that something really like you know were you testing the waters i suppose i'm interested in how you're defining your icp for your team in the beginning the icp was everyone in the beginning the icp was everyone cash was king and we needed to prove the concept that this is something needed and afterwards we've started to make the icp just more segmented we've looked at the number of employees, the location of the customer, the location of the prospect, the location of the uh, where the CEO and C-level people are based. So many triggers. At this moment, our ICP are customers with 50 plus employees that either that raised funds or who are very profitable and who have the ambition to grow. And for them to assign, our product is not ideal for everyone. Our product is ideal for those ones who they move quick, they need to improve their efficiency and they do not want, because hiring remote is very tricky and can get very tricky. They don't want to repeat those mistakes that other customers, their their competition are doing. And what do they do? They come to us because we have the repetitions. We've been able to assign hundreds of developers and we've reviewed thousands of developers. We already know what can be the... um, 
the downs. So to answer your question, last year we've had one ICP. It was customers who were aggressive, customers who raised money, etc. In this year, in the last nine months, in the, this era, it's a bit different. We've had to make changes and we've had to change our strategy. We've had to test waters with new ICP. And I love to and I like to know I love to know about the fact that by changing this ICP, we've been able to add additional revenue that provides us with more optimism in the future because some of the companies in the tech environment, they've been struggling a lot. But guess what? Other ones are coming. There is a huge entrepreneurial mindset in the tech environment. So many new AI companies, so many great products that uh, by providing them with the right talent, by finding what they are looking for, we'll be able to grow ourselves. We'll be able to find great products for our software developers and we'll be able to bring value to those aggressive companies. Awesome. Um, we touched on it slightly, and but again, you know, we're in a world where you've defined your ICP. Um, I really want to go back to kind of how you're acquiring them. And, and specifically one topic that's um, top of mind for us at the moment is around cadences. So would love to get your take on kind of what, like how, what cadence you're running with your team um, that's so successful. And, and actually as a co-founder, I'm sure lots of people will be interested in what cadence would work on you. Um, you know, if someone wanted to, wanted to get hold of Mike, like how, how would they go about doing that? I'll, I'll, I'd love to start with how they should not try to get in my inbox and into my uh, calendar. I do not like ambiguous subject lines. Uh, some people recommend, hey, a great open rate is just Mike question mark. Yes, it's personalized in a way, but uh, it doesn't provide me with the right context. In order to get a meeting with me, people, uh, I'll share three things. The first one is in order to get a meeting with me, people need to know, people need to show me that they know what's important for me. And I'll give you an example. Uh, increase your sales on the US market by 20%, by 25%. When people say 250%, it might be too good to be true. So I try to keep away from these numbers. Uh, the second one is uh, tell a story. Um, tell a story. Uh, again, tell that story. Show me that you know what is important for me. And the third one is it's an amazing way uh, to get to my inbox. And this is an internal anecdote. Uh, reach to my partner. Uh, and my partner will follow, will forward me. Mike, check out their creative approach. Mike, check out uh, what they are doing. Mike, check out. They will. They promise to increase our profitability by this. Let's take this call. And uh, this is one of those things that really um, works, at least on our side. And uh, what was the second part of the question? Um, yeah, it's, well, I suppose the cadences that you're running, but but just quickly on that point, because just an anecdote from our side, because you mentioned it a couple of times now, our CEO is the easiest person to sell to in the world. So if you want to get hold of anybody in the team that don't reply, you send a message to the CEO and the CEO will always say, you know, oh, you should check this out. And then you have to do it because he's, he's in charge. So it sounds like you have a similar relationship with your, your partner a little bit where, you know, he's a lot easier to sell to and is the one that kind of can, can get people to you. Is that is that what you're, you're saying? This is how we've discovered your amazing software. This is how we've discovered your product and we're super happy with it. We've continued working with it, but this is how we signed the deal. In the This is how the interest was shown. So here you go. 
perfect. Well, I'm very glad uh, the team are doing some some multi-channel outreach. Um, it's great to see top-down out- outreach. Um, so yeah, so your cadences for your team. Um, that's what that was kind of my my other question was. Um, so it's one thing getting to you, but what about like the way you're advising your team to like run their cadences? Definitely, and I love how. In like five years ago from now, people were not talking about cadences. People were talking about, hey, send one email and maybe send later. But it's all now about the repetition. It's all about making sure that it's relevant and making sure that it's delivered. Uh, multiple email threads, make it personalized, make it relevant, make it relevant for the company, for the industry, and make it relevant also for the job position of the person that you are reaching out to. I'm always telling to my colleagues, Please, when emailing a CEO, make sure that you highlight what a CEO wants to see in the, what's important for her, for him, for them. When you email to an, a hiring manager, focus on other pain points, focus on other values that we are bringing. In, within the same company, uh, people on different positions receive different values, uh, receive different value from our service. Uh, multiple... Uh, messages, multiple email threads, show that you've been in contact. If there is a previous history of communication, mention it. Uh, Show a reference, give a screenshot, show that you are show that to the prospect that you are talking about him, that it's important for them. Um, One of those experiences, I receive an email from uh, a supplier, a potential supplier, and he's saying, Mike, we've been talking about you during our morning call and a screenshot of them do i think that they were really talking about us i'm not so sure but it's creative i see their faces i see them smiling i want to talk to them they provide some very curious approach and um, multiple uh, also within time please make sure it's relevant to the person please make sure that it's multiple emails sent multiple messages via linkedin multiple approach and uh, please make sure that you don't give up we want to avoid people just giving up one email before the prospect would answer positively Um, and of course always provide the prospect with the possibility to um, sign out stop receiving the emails etc this is important people want to receive relevant information and they want to to have a choice to receive or not these kind of messages um and one amazing thing that worked five years ago and not necessarily is working now is five years ago we used to send emails with um mike i understand that you are busy david i understand that you are busy feel free to reply with one if you are not handling this two and the prospect would just receive one two three now we can make them interactive and customers prospects can just click one click two click three click four and book a call right away and the call will be already scheduled in our account executives agenda that's awesome um and and final thing on cadences is um who's owning them in your organization is it management is it individual um sales 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 individuals um yeah would love to to know that it used to be a lot of trial and error. It used to be a lot of work provided by me and uh, my founder, Sergio. He's amazing. His sales insight is just fantastic. And we've been able to, and we were competing. We were trying to see who will have the higher open rate, who will have the higher interest rate, who will have the higher reply rate. And we were just um, 
lots of trial, lots of an error, and uh, we've been able to automate a lot of things. At this moment, it's provided. At this moment, we work a lot on improving what has been working two years ago, but also we want to have experiments. And we have directors of outreach uh, who coordinate within the emailing team, within the LinkedIn team. Everyone has the drafts that are kind of the benchmarks, but everyone can improve them. Everyone can uh, make them better because at the end of the day, everyone is incentivized to uh, generate interested for us and generate content for our prospects. And uh, the process in this is in this way. And that's, re- mm-hmm. and that's really interesting. You mentioned there a LinkedIn team and an email team. Yes. So you have separate people for yes. just the LinkedIn channel, the email channel, same for the calling channel maybe? or Calling is done by the sales at this moment. The sales account, the sales team uh, is responsible to, they're not called calling anymore. They are just um, rejuvenating previous interested. Interesting, interesting. And, and, and what prompted you to split the email and LinkedIn teams? It's a very good question. We experiment a lot. And we've seen that when people were doing two things, they were always telling me or telling my colleagues about the fact that, hey, we don't have enough time. We love doing this. And I can prove you with these results. And uh, we said, okay, cool. Why not? Here you go. Show me that you can do this. They've achieved amazing results. We've closed amazing scalable customers. Uh, from their outreach and now we have separate LinkedIn teams and separate emailing teams. Now they collaborate. They collaborate a lot. And uh, it and when we want to and one very interesting aspect, when we want to make their job a bit more dynamic, we change their roles. We put people who were doing LinkedIn to do emailing and people who do, did emailing to do LinkedIn. Because people people are creative beings. We like to be challenged. And we when we have a new tool, we want to study it. We want to understand what it's about. And we've been able to double our results by doing this. That's so interesting. That's so, so interesting. And, and final thing, because this is, this is mind-blowing for me. I've never seen this before um in action so are the email and linkedin teams reaching out to the same companies the same prospects even uh you mentioned collaboration or is it um are you specifically getting them to target different individuals Mm -hmm. one aspect that is very important for us is to be able to and why we love your tool is the fact that we can get the most relevant data and by the most relevant data, I'm talking about the highest quality, 95 plus percent, 98 plus percent quality data. Uh, so it happens that there is, there are companies in which, for instance, we cannot get the emails of all the relevant people. So we reach out to them via LinkedIn. And uh, to answer your question, we've made different segments. And the segmentation goes in this way. For the ICP, we reach out to them via LinkedIn, emailing, and a couple of other uh, other channels. But for those ones that we have high-quality emails, we reach out to them via email and LinkedIn. But there is a lot of them who do not have high-quality emails. This is the game. So we reach out to them via uh, LinkedIn and maybe other uh, alternatives. Uh, The LinkedIn team... And we've been reviewing our current customers and the LinkedIn team is doing great. 
And not only that they are doing great, we've received amazing feedback from uh, the prospects, that the customers that signed the contract with us. And they say that it's not that the people have been providing value to them. They were their consultants. They were their advisors telling them what their next step should be, what they should be doing. And this personal touch provided very good relationship. Awesome. That's so interesting. And, and like I say, I've, I've not actually heard anybody successfully doing that before. So definitely something I, I, th- I think I could see myself picking your brains on more um, in the future. Um, I've got one final question be- just before we wrap up. because um, uh, And that is around, I mean, your company, Index, um, the whole rationale, uh, t- to my understanding, is around scaling remote teams, specifically. Um, as you can see, I am, and and as people know, I'm I'm a big big advocate of in office work, um, you know, and the, the, all of the cultural advantages there. Um, so just finish to finish this off, I'd love to discuss your position as a sales leader within a company that is selling a remote product to a certain extent, um, and, and how you know, like you're thinking about remote work and and sales um, today. Mm-hmm. This is fantastic. Thank you so much for the question. We have our best salespeople are based offshore. They are based from all over the world. We have uh, people in uh, Asia. We have people in Europe. We have people in Americas. And somehow they don't have to come in the office. They work in crazy time zones. Sometimes the time zone doesn't match with the time zone of the customer but they are being able to close the biggest deals. Uh, And this is happening because they are amazing talent and they appreciate their time with family and they appreciate their time with uh, the flexibility that we are offering. Um, Will I be able to convince you to uh, be more open to remote? I'm not sure. It's a process. The work in the office has been here for 200 years, 300 years, 400 years. The remote work is a bit younger and it's catching up. On In our industry, it's providing great value. Our highest achievers are working remote. Our director of lead gen is working from the UK, then from Italy, then from Spain. She, she loves to travel and she's providing amazing results. Um, in the end, I think it's all about the talent that uh, work with us for those amazing talents who have previous experience it's very important for those amazing people who have previous experience in working remote who can set up their own desktop who can be polite who can be on time who can be respectful to towards other people's agenda to show up to meetings and to work from a certain amount of time till when it's needed it's not a problem for them and uh, at this moment, it's a very young concept. And this is why we are in this industry, because five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, people will be working remote a lot more. The methodology of working remote and synchronizing the teams will be just so much different. And uh, the speed, the quality of the talent will be just phenomenal. Um, it's a trend. It's not for everyone. But those ones who will find a way to make it work, uh are on something or are on to something good i love that um 
Mike, thank you so much. Um, that's unfortunately all the time we have uh, for today. Um, we've actually already overrun. And um, yeah, but I just thank you so much for your time. I'm sure that it, the listeners feel the same same way. Um, Mike, if people want to find you, where, where's the best place to find you? Uh, LinkedIn. And uh, LinkedIn for me personally. And if they want to find uh, our services or our company, index.dev, uh, just leave a message there and people will reach out and just say that uh, they are coming from Mike. And uh, if they're, if they're coming, if they have a smaller company, it's a, if it's a startup, they'll be able to get a very good discount for the first assignment. Uh, just say that they are coming from Mike. Love that. Love that. Um, awesome. Thank you everybody for tuning in today. Um, thanks for, um, yeah, the next episode should be next week. Um, but really appreciate your time again, Mike, and we'll speak to everybody soon. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.